everyone, and thank you for joining me on a Kid with a Pig podcast. I'm your wonderful, multi-talented host, Dee, and today I have my very good friend, Dee Zen, on to talk about a topic that I think is pretty interesting, and the topic for today is going to be the politics of desirability while being an alternative black woman. And I think this is a pretty interesting topic because... People have been like asking me, what the heck does that mean? Like, what are you talking about? Like alternative black women, what, like politics of desirability. I think it's gonna be a really interesting discussion. I'm gonna let my friend introduce herself. So take it away, Dizan. Hey, what's up? I, I go by Dizan. I'm 27 years old and I live in Southern California. Currently, I, I just accepted a position as a freelance copywriter, hopefully copywriter. <laughs> Yay. But other than that, I consider myself to be, you know, just to have a lot of interests and stuff, things that are considered both, I don't know, stereotypical black interests versus white in- I don't know what that means. We're going to get into we'll that. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, like I like um, singing, dancing, uh, writing, and voice acting. I'm working on doing more voice acting, actually. So, and just lots of other stuff. I just like being creative. So yeah. that's pretty much what I would describe myself as. Also, my social security number is, no, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, let's 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 not do that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even really say my interest, but I mean, if you guys listen to like the very first episode of Getting to Know Me, you'll you kind of have an idea of the type of things I like and what I'm into. Just to reiterate, in terms of things I like to do for fun, I'm really into K-pop, so I like to do like dance oh, yeah. covers to K-pop. Yeah, that's a big thing. Another thing that I've recently gotten into is playing the violin again. You know, I played elementary school, middle school, high school, half of college, and now like I'm an adult picking it back up. You know, bad movies. I don't know why. It's something I just really <laughs> enjoy. And I know I'm I think I'm getting a little bit back into anime. My brother actually told me literally yesterday that apparently the latest season of Attack on Titan came out. So I, I apparently three or two. I've heard people talking about that too. I think it's three, so I'm not sure. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. He told me to watch, so I'm definitely gonna be watching that. But I'm give it another shot. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I neglected to mention the nerdiest fucking thing about me. <laughs> yes, I uh, um, went so far as to get a minor in Japanese, and I do speak I almost it. Did that. Almost did in Korean or Japanese? No, Japanese. I almost did that when I first started school. Did you ever tell me that? No. <laughs> I was gonna say, th- how have we known each other this long? And I've been into <laughs> Japanese culture as long as you've known me, and this is the first time hearing about it after like seven years. Well, I didn't know you actually had a minor in it. I thought you just took some classes and you're like, oh, no, I'm I just do. Learning language. Yeah. No, I know because so for my major, global communication, you were required to minor in a second language. And I was already taking Japanese. So that's why I went to Japan to get classes for the minor. Oh, yeah. okay. Got it. Got so it. Well, yes. So yes, uh, Nihongo dekimasu yo. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm just a big freaking nerd. In Wait, what does that mean? Too. Oh, I can speak Japanese. Oh, okay. Well, I can't. (laughs) Sorry. Should translate. Yeah. Just in case there's some nerd ass people in your audience who also know. But yes. So yeah, because you mentioned K-pop. I was like, oh, that's right. (laughs) That's how I got into this whole nerd culture was through anime and J-pop and all this other stuff as well. Yeah, 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 no doubt. Um, And we met on Tumblr, (laughs) a very nerdy mm -hmm. place. And we're also oh God, like yeah. both into dancing and <laughs> the look on your face. <laughs> I, just, I, just, I don't know. Cause I, I look back on my Tumblr days, you know, and mm. I'm just a little <laughs> embarrassed by all the stuff that I used to do and say. And we're say, not going to get into that. <laughs> we're like, not going to get <laughs> on either end. 
on either end. We're just going to skip right over that. Yes, let's skip. Yeah, we're going to skip right over that. And you know what? Let's get into uh, what actually kind of sparked this topic. Mm -hmm. So the reason why I wanted to talk about this topic is because months back late last year i was on i was just like on my phone and you know how instagram gives you these recommend you know these sponsored ads mm. for things um, targeted I, ads yeah. yeah exactly i saw one that said it, it was like a dating app there's a lot of black women on it that were kind of talking about their experiences with dating and stuff like that and i remember there was this black girl who was just like well you know it seems like you know black guys don't really like me you know white guys seem to like really be more interested in me and match with me because you know I have these interests I like to hike and do outdoorsy things and I have you know these uh, you know I put more emphasis on experiences you know and it seems like that's just <laughs> okay. <laughs> all right okay and it seems like you know that's just what I attract and I, and I'm just kind of like so black people don't have experiences they don't like to like, emphasize like their experience as you know we what? Don't like the like, outdoors we don't like hiking <laughs> yeah yeah and then and then another thing that I saw literally I think a week later this was actually in a Facebook group and I I, wa I really want to say it was the black women in tech group I really hope I'm not misspeaking but there was a post months back and it was basically a black woman talking about her experience not having black friends and why doesn't she have black friends and why it just seems like her circle is just white and how she's just talking about how like her husband is white historically the men that she's been around or has attracted has, has been white because you know mm. she likes to be again like outdoors do hiking all these things that she was saying that you know apparently these are just things that you know black people aren't into and so it's for that reason why she just tends to have circles of mostly white people and then the people in the comments were just like first wrong place <laughs> we are a black like, why woman are we talking group. about this here <laughs> we're a black woman group but we are not but this is like tech what are you talking about you know it just it just it didn't fit the context of the group and second of all it's like I remember people in the comments were just like, you must not be exposing yourself to enough Black people, you know? Seriously, I feel like throw a rock at a bunch of Black people and you'll find pe Black people who are interested in these things. So I just hey. found, I, I think I just found that that post very absurd and also just very anti-Black. But at any rate, that was the core of what sparked this for me. Because it just made me mm -hmm. think, why do... Why does it seem like if you're doing anything other than what people expect you to be doing as a Black woman, all of a sudden you're so different and you're so unique and other races of people must find you desirable. It just, it seems very, very absurd to me. Um, like you're some kind of unicorn or something like that. Yes, yes. So yeah, so that's the, like the, you know, the background for the conversation. And so mm -hmm. I think what I want to get into next is I want to really kind of deconstruct the idea of what a quote-unquote alternative black girl is because I feel like we're we're in an age right now where we're kind of seeing there's more of a concept of like the whole quirky black girl thing with characters like Issa Rae on Insecure and what else I feel like there's other other things out here too maybe Zendaya kind of falls into I'll that, say like Zendaya yeah, yeah Janelle I Monae definitely has always been about like doing her own thing and she's gotten progressively more, I guess, outwardly herself as time goes on, mm -hmm. which um, we love to see it. Yeah. I can't really think of any other prominent examples right now. Yeah, I, I, I just, I do feel like there is <clears throat> a, a rise, though, in, you know, being, quote unquote, different. And 
I guess I want to start by asking you first, what, what's your idea of an alternative Black girl? Or do you even agree with the concept? That might be even better. That's actually, hmm, that's actually a good question. So the term alternative begs the question, what is the norm? Like, what am I, as a yeah. Black woman, as a Black girl, normally expected to be into? Mm -hmm. And if I had to, like, hmm. so the things that I feel like I have been singled out for as far as being different or whatever is, well, the earliest thing I can think of is as back in elementary school, I went to, the school was not just for Black children, but it was attended mostly by Black children maybe a few other minorities here and there and maybe like one white kid from what i can recall going there the entire time and some of the kids would say you know like oh you talk white and i was just kind of like as a kid i'm just like okay i don't know what that means and as an adult i'm like i was literally just speaking the way that my family speaks to me so there was that i I don't know if I've ever been called an Oreo, but I feel like the sentiment has been kind of lobbed at me psychically, if anything. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, you know, you get that feeling. It's like, oh, you have these interests, so you're not like these other kids. And I just, I guess, obviously, there's, you know, around sixth or seventh grade, I got into anime, which, you know, which I will admit, kind of, a, a white girl did put me onto that, but that has nothing to do with anything because... It doesn't. And actually, mm -hmm. in my class, we watched Spirited Away in sixth grade, and my first reaction was, that was fucking weird. I wasn't saying the word fuck by that time, but I was like, <laughs> that, that kind of, it kind of, it kind of put me off because it was so different. But mm -hmm. also, it was because it was so different from what I was used to that it kind of intrigued me. So, mm -hmm. I don't know. And not listening to, I guess, exclusively Black music, whatever that is, because if we want to get into it, most American music is Black music, but I digress. Black or Ooh, Jewish. That's a whole other conversation. That's a whole <laughs> other conversation. Anyway, <clears throat> so yeah, and I don't know what was popular around that time. Like, I don't know, Green Day, Linkin Park, uh, Nickelback, you know, those were the things that I, <laughs> which, you know, uh, those are things oh, I, I was listening to. Um, mm. What's the song? American Idiot. I think I had that CD. Don't be my, American. My white yeah. friend gave that to me when I was younger. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was really into Linkin Park. I I was even listening to some the other day. Like unironically, I just wanted to, despite its meme status, I wanted to listen to In the End <laughs> because you know it, it stuck with me. It's part of my childhood. So yeah, I guess it would be music. It's like it's a pretty large question. It's yeah. a pretty large, but the thing is, what I really liked what you initially said is that like there kind of has to be. I think you said like it has to kind of be in order to be alternative. There was there has to be like a kind of like a norm. What like is the norm? Right. Yes. Yes. And I think, which even in my group of friends in middle mm -hmm. school who were mostly black at mm -hmm. one point, yeah, it's just we we were all different. We all had different personalities. We all had different interests. Yeah, there was some overlap, but. Mm -hmm we were like a group of characters. I don't understand how you can say, oh, the typical black girl does this. It's like, yeah, we have some things in common, but even then they differ. I like, I, I don't yeah. know how to say. Yeah. So like, so for me, it's, you know, what you just said, like what's, what is the norm in order to be an alternative? And that's kind of how I think about what, what defines like an alternative black woman. Cause when we think about what a black woman is, you know, we think of like stereotypes. I think a lot of us oh. still you know, I think a lot, we're in an age where I think we're starting to unlearn these things, but I think that they're still at the core, kind of how before we get to know someone, we still kind of judge them 
based mm. off like these stereotypes. We have this idea. We, we have an idea. Right. We have an idea of how we perceive a black woman to be and how they're supposed to act and all of that. And for me, I, I base the norm off of those like stereotypes, like what, what those expectations of what a black woman should look and act like. And then for me, like alternative is anything that's not that, you know? So it's like anything that's not like what someone identifies as like, a, like an alternative, well, as like a stereotypical black woman now becomes alternative because we're not used to seeing these different images of black women being represented in media, which is why, which is why I think Issa's character in Insecure is just such a huge deal, even though she's, she's, the thing is, is she's in a way like alternative, but it's like, she's just a human. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's a fact that we're seeing a black woman being human that kind of makes it like alternative, which is kind of crazy. What do you think? <laughs> something, something that occurred to me while you were talking about that is maybe that Cause I, okay, I've been watching a lot of Hey Arnold, right? And you know, this is not a black girl, but think about like Gerald from Hey Arnold. Now, okay, he got some episodes centered on him that, you know, humanized him. So he wasn't just a walking token friend, walking token stereotype. But in most instances, how many times, even if a black girl appears in children's media, for example, cause I'm thinking about like, I don't know, can Kim Possible, her black friend, I don't remember her name right now, but she was voiced by uh, Raven Simone. And people tend to see who don't, people who don't, who do not hang out with black people, not black, not black persons, not an individual black person, black people, I feel may be influenced by the token images that they see in media. Now they're increasingly more nuanced, I think, as time goes on. There's a difference, I feel, between like having exposure to different individuals of a certain group, as opposed to knowing one person from that group. You know what I'm saying? so that you can like form a more complete picture of maybe there's some cultural overlap and some you know i'm not even going to deny there are some things that you know i would consider i guess a a cultural or ethnic marker as far as behavior as far as how i act but it's not that's not all of me and i feel like you know the sassy black girlfriend or whatever in that we see in media not just cartoons i just like cartoons but (laughs) But people see that and they think, oh, that's how a black woman is, or that's how a black woman acts. And they don't get into her inner life or the feelings and struggles that she might deal with as much as the protagonist, which, you know, the protagonist is the protagonist. But basically, I feel like that kind of representation is what makes people's general perception of a black woman, period, so narrow. So Mm -hmm. when they see somebody who is not doing that or who doesn't talk like, mm-hmm. oh, what you talking about? Like all the time, you yeah, know, yeah. and all this stuff. They're just, some people do not know what to do with that. Some people in general don't know what to do with things that are not what they expect, especially when it comes to any preconceived notions they have of other people or ethnic groups. And that sounds like a personal problem. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but but going back to your the token point, like I, I kind of mm. want to go back to that. So you're you're saying before, is this like in the context of being like the only like black person like in like a group of friends and kind of how like having like a limited perspective of black people based off that one person? Is that where you're trying to get at before? I was mostly thinking in media, but it can mm-hmm. work that way in real life too, especially if you know, like that woman who uh was talking about you know oh you know i tend to date white people and white people tend to like this and i tend to hang out with white people because of this um 
sometimes people really don't have any choice. There are some people who are like, you know, in predominantly white areas. And so, you know, they might be the only black person or, you know, the only Indian person or the only Latino person. And then everyone else around them who does not have exposure to different perspectives and ethnic groups, either by choice or by circumstance, may inadvertently form their notion like so. of how mm -hmm. a person acts based on this one individual. I'm oh, not yeah. saying it always happens, but I it's, think that's mm -hmm. part of that is why maybe. Yeah, it's like they're, and they're, sometimes it's like, oh, well, my black friend like co-signed my poor racist behavior. So like, I'm totally fine. My one single black friend, like, right. like, like that nonsense. Yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. And also something occurred to me that like when I've been in groups where I was the only black person, when I was, when I was the only black person or only black woman in general, like, for example, I used to work on um, stage productions early in my college career. And I remember I walked in on a discussion one time about how I was so unstereotypically black. Mm -hmm. It wasn't put that way, but it was just like, it's like, oh, you're just, you're not like other black people. I don't remember that conversation mostly because I blocked it out because oh. <laughs> those were not the most fun days, but it always rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. And I know why now it's that, you know, it's like, okay, because it's anti-black first of all. And yeah. also it's like, okay, like, what did you, what were you expecting? And do you, like, it just gave me like a kind of a complex. I was like, okay. I before too the whole like yo you're not it's not often i mean when i was younger you know i think i got called oreo like a couple of times like a handful of times and then recently as an adult i got like wow like you're not like you're different than what i was expecting you know kind of in comparison to other people like the thing is though they're an adult and they're my age and you know what i mean and they're trying to word it in a way that was not like you're not like other black people, but the messaging was exactly the same. Yeah. <laughs> Thinly veiled. You're not like other black people. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And it's crazy because it's, it, it, this was actually like an Asian person that said that. Yeah. So I've gotten, I've, so I've gotten that before. So, you know, it's, it's a bit unfortunate because it just makes me think, you know, I look a certain way. So I guess you assume I'm going to be acting and presenting a certain way. And, right. and I think when in reality, you don't know what a person is going to be like until they open their mouth. Yep. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, okay. So another point that I kind of want to touch upon, I feel like hmm. in the original, you, you watched the original awkward black girl series, right? I did before it was insecure. It was awkward black girl. And it was like uh, sort of a mini series on YouTube. Yeah. I, I watched that one. Yeah. Yeah. And then she had her dilemma of dating a uh, white, white J versus, Oh, remember oh yeah. Name? White J versus black J. No, they were both J. That's why, that's why he was white J. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, so white J and black J, black J. And I found that like really, really interesting. And I, and I, what I appreciated about well, it is She ended up picking that, like, white J. Yeah, she did end up like, picking white J. Yeah. And part of it, when I originally watched it, I think I was wondering why is it necessary to have this, you know, white guy that she's also like currently like, dating? Because I think in my head, I was thinking, I always feel like people who think that they're different or black people who think they're so other tend to date white people. So like my worry is like, is this coming from the same place? You know what I mean? That mm. like, an awkward, different type of black girl, that that's why she's dating this guy. But in the series, I don't, I don't think it was really, it wasn't really played like that. If I recall, it's been a while since I've watched it, but I don't think it was really played in that type of way where, you know, 
I don't remember like Issa being, I don't remember her character in the show having issues with her, her blackness, right? And feeling like, okay, because like, you know, I'm a different type of black girl. These are the types of guys that I attract and like I should date. It, it just seemed like she, the problems with her blackness didn't really come much from within. I'm not going to say entirely, but it was more like how people around her reacted to her because of it, which is something I can relate to, especially as I get older. And I do break down problematic notions of black people and black womanhood in my head and what I should be and what other people think I should be, not just as a black person, but just in general. So the problems I come up against now is when people kind of like put me in boxes or they decide to treat me some kind of way because I look like this or I act like this. And it's like, okay, so that's what I think was the issue. I don't know what ultimately made her pick White J over Black J. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's just so yeah, funny. Yeah, I know, it's been, such a, it's been such a while. I wanna say it was just a vibe, but it's honestly been a while. I think my point though, is I just appreciate that it wasn't coming from a place of like, oh, I am so other, I am so different. Because my worry is that with the whole rise of being so quote unquote quirky and different and like seeing more of that in media a little more, my worry is that there will be black, young black women who think that because they're so different and because they're just not what people expect them to be as black women, that therefore they are more desirable than other quote unquote stereotypical black women. Because, you know, the stereotypes of black women aren't favorable, you know, mm. they don't they don't work in our favor, unfortunately. And so because of that, it's like it's it's better to be other in this in this type of case. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. my. Mm-hmm. My worry is that because you identify yourself as being different, you know, a different type of Black woman, that therefore you think that you are, you know, superior or more desirable than other types of Black women. And so when I saw those posts, you know, the, the posts on Facebook, the thing on like Facebook, I felt like it was, it was kind of confirming that. <laughs> and it got me mad. <laughs> mm. Okay, so also when you say desirable, do you mean two white people or in general? Ooh, I think honestly... Two white people, I think, is what I'm really trying to get at because both posts were talking about white people specifically and Mm -hmm. them being like desirable to white people. And I know people in real life, I'm not friends with them, but I know people in real life who are black women who identify as like alternative creatives. And they're just like, well, I'm going to be with white men because, you know, well, first trauma, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. like, like trauma. And then it's just like, I'm different and they appreciate me and you know these black men out here are treating me like trash so they're kind of just like I'm just gonna date like white men <laughs> yeah I was gonna say some people you, like you mentioned now trauma as far as the reason like some black women might be like I'm gonna date white men which was something I was kind of thinking about as you were talking I was gonna say well black, some yeah. some black men don't even like black women and I think a lot of that is internalized self-hate And after being around black men who say, oh, I can't date a bitch if she's too dark. I'm not saying all black men like this, but the most ignorant black man I've seen who's like, oh, I can't date a girl if she does this. Or, or, you know, black women are like this. They're too demanding. They're too loud. They're too bossy. They're too aggressive. So I'm going to date a white bitch. I'm going to date a Hispanic girl or something like that. And and it's like, okay, it's easy to look at that and be like, well, shoot, I want to deal with y'all niggas anyway. Can I say that? Yeah. <laughs> you want me to say something else? The podcast is E explicit. <laughs> so oh, say. why did I think E like like E like E rated for everyone? E I was thinking for everyone, games no. for some weird reason. E for explicit. Oh, okay, 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 right. 
<laughs> to account for things like this. My, my brain. Anyway, <laughs> I'm so tired. Okay, so yeah, like I can understand why that would just be like, you know, and if um, a guy is, you know, treating you better or better, it's not deliberately, explicitly shitting on you for being a black woman. And, you know, you still, of course, we're still humans. We still want love and companionship. It's like, okay, like take it where we can find it. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. I just wouldn't count one over the other necessarily because there is a lot of alternative black boys too, if we want to get into that. And like lots of alternative black nerd boys and all that stuff. And I've met them, I've met them and I've been attracted to them. Listen, if there's one thing I have learned, it's that I have a type and that type is nerd. It doesn't matter what oh you my look gosh. like. Yes. Like, unless I'm attracted, if I'm attracted to you and your looks and how you look as a person, I don't really care. I don't really want to say it. Cause like I said, like my, like right now, my boyfriend is Mexican and he's, he's very pale Mexican, but he's Mexican and he's probably the biggest nerd I've ever met in my life, but I like that kind of thing. So of it's not course. about that for me. And it's the vibe. It's the vibe. Right. It's the vibe. But also, like I said, I've put a lot of work into deconstructing any of those notions in my head about mm -hmm. that. Because honestly, I could have, I'll be full disclosure, I probably could have gone that route as far as thinking that, oh, you know, you, like I, you know, I'm different and I'm like this. So therefore, I'm more desirable to this group. And that makes me better than other people, you know. But all of that's just, it's nonsense for one thing. And also it's, it's like a false idea. It's based on like a false idea of yourself. If you want to ascribe it to that, every time you hinge your personality or sense of purpose or meaning on like one thing exclusively, that's usually a recipe for disaster in my opinion. Yes. Yes. There, there are so many like good points there. I'm trying to figure out what where I, I want to go okay oh, because I thought I wasn't making sense <laughs> no 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 you are I, I was just like well I just have listening because there's just so many like good talking points there I, well I think going back a little bit so like for me it's in terms of like attraction mm. I know what I like like I like someone who's decently put together and like, you know who's lighthearted and who's ultimately goofy you know what I mean like has a kind of like a goofy kind of nerdy type of like vibe to them like yes I I'm such a sucker for that literally like when I was younger What's his face? Kel Mitchell was my crush. Like I was oh, a yeah. huge crush I on Kel Mitchell. You this. I even had a little bit of a crush on the white dude. I think his name was Josh. Sir, no, the, there was whatever. a white dude the, on that show. The white dude on on um no on uh, all that. I can't remember his oh. name. Oh Damn. wait, but, like Jack. No, there. This is the original all that cast. I don't know, but whoever it was, I want to say his name was Josh Server, but I can totally wrong. But anyways. Kel was like my huge crush when I was younger, followed by I think that dude, Josh. And I was just like, and I didn't think much of it because I was just like, they're just cute and goofy, you know? Right. And that's that's been like, that's remained pretty much true um, for my whole life. So I'm trying to, so what else did you? Oh yeah, so for me, I also think that if I could have gone down that path of thinking that I was like better and other just because like, of my interests and stuff. But I think for me, like my personal life experiences have taught me that no matter what, like no matter who I am, no matter what my status is in life, I'm still a black woman. And I've had some pretty, some negative experiences um, that kind of reminded me 
of that. You know what I mean? Because whenever I would find myself in majority white spaces, it didn't, despite me being such a great and wonderful person, guys, and being so sweet, it's like... She's right. Why do people have a way of reminding you that love, like, who, of like your blackness and that like you're not desired, like in in like their spaces. And so I, I had experiences when I was younger that kind of reminded me of that. And luckily, it's like I had group like a close group of black friends in college. And in high school too, that I always had, you know what I mean? So I feel so grateful that I didn't end up falling into a space where I could have been that that token black person because it, it could have very well easily happened when I was younger but mm-hmm. it never did and I'm, I'm so grateful for that because I think that honestly would have bred so much anti-blackness in me if I just didn't have my friends that I did have and those women or at least the one woman that on Facebook I know for sure because she said it she, she's not around a lot of black people I want to say she was from like the northwest I can't remember if it's Oregon or Washington state but whichever oh, somewhere up there okay. somewhere up there with a lot of white people <laughs> <laughs> I think in that case it's maybe she didn't have enough black people around her to have different she, like, experiences affirm, with but also affirm that there is more than one way to be black yes yes and that like you're not special because you're not acting like a stereotypical like black person and if you do exhibit some like stereotypical like traits then oh well (laughs) like you're a whole ass person you know what i mean i'm sure i like i do that like unknowingly whatever it is you know like yeah but i'm still a whole ass person like i shouldn't have to be so conscious of how I act. Right. And even people who, you know, act like a stereotypical black person, that's okay. That's how they express themselves. And that might be due to choice. That might be due to their environment. It's just another way to be. And you saying that just now, like, you know, if you are, if you do exhibit like some stereotypically black trait, I have, sometimes I've had that in my adulthood as recently as last year, when I was first, you know, getting interested in my current boyfriend, I kind of hadn't, I hadn't had a moment actually where I consciously was like, oh, geez, I don't know. Maybe I was like, I don't know, should I say this stereotypically black thing or should I phrase this in this way? And thanks to the work I've been doing on myself, I'm able to catch myself in those moments and be like, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna act like this on occasion when I feel like it from moment to moment. And if he's not with it, then he's not with it. And spoiler alert, he was with it because it's like, that's, it's, first of all, it's like, it's your whole. It's self. not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. And mm-hmm. it's my whole self. It's like, you know, sometimes I will be, even now I was tempted to say super articulate, but it's like, you can be articulate and still be black and see, that's how pervasive it is. And it pisses me yeah. off that I even almost thought to say that, Yeah, you know, like it's, it's rough out here. Anti-blackness is a hell of a drug. And another thing you were, I was thinking about when you were talking was that I, I have sympathy for people who find themselves in these situations because it can be because we have like this innate need as humans to belong. So if you're a black woman and you find yourself in the situation where your blackness is maybe anything from like tolerated to sort of put down, it's a survival mechanism. It, that's the, and that goes back into being a black person as a whole in a white dominant society that not only does not look fondly on blackness in general, but tries to tamp it down, tries to stamp it out. I, I get it. You know, I get where that attitude comes from, but you can't, it's just, it, it just doesn't seem, it's very oppressive, but it's a survival mechanism. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that makes sense. Just to segue a little bit 
to like a different like a different thing I want to, I want to think about. It's kind of the I think well I call it the idea of palatable blackness. And I think mm. this also intersects with, that. Yeah. <laughs> I think it intersects with the idea of being alternative because sometimes I think that like in order to access these spaces, like these non-black spaces, specifically like, you know, we're talking about like white, but I can, I'll be a little more general. You kind of have to be a certain way to be like more desirable and like to have, it's just to be in those spaces. And so I guess I just want to, kind of like think like kind of like ask or I want to ask you actually like what do you think like do you believe in the idea of having to be palatable palatable in non-black spaces and what does that like look like to you oh absolutely I am constantly I'm constantly monitoring my behavior for a number of reasons because I'm neurodivergent for one thing so Mm. that's that's a whole other conversation on its own especially as a black girl so there is that but when it comes to I've talked about this a lot with, I think, my other Black girlfriends, that a common thing that we all tend to share is that we have to monitor our emotions as well as the way we express them because Black women are already seen as angry, displeased, aggressive, all this other stuff, you know, just by being ourselves or even like ex- just ex- expressing displeasure, legitimate or not, yeah. you know. And if something is like slightly wrong or we or we feel like we're being given bullshit, especially in a professional setting, we have to find a way, do like a lot of like translating and watering down mental gymnastics just to be able to make a point and not get fired, you know? Yeah. And that was something I struggled with a lot in a, I was working at this company whose name will not be named, but it was a very, very much a a strict, not strict, it was very much an an office culture, but on top of that, it was a Japanese office. So it was just like, I was, I kind of was wondering, but I'm like, I don't even know how I got here, but I just feel like I had to tone down a lot of my personality, you know? Yeah. But I mostly felt that on like a human level, not really so much as a black person level, but I was the only black person Mm -hmm. working there. And I did kind of think about that too. Like, it's something that you always think about. It's just like, I can't say, I just can't say, it's like, I have to be like, well, that doesn't really seem like a good use of our time as opposed to, uh, we're not gonna have time to do that. You know, stuff like that. Yeah. Like I, even Because even like, I feel like the slightest way that you express something, whether it's stereotypically in a stereotypically black way or not, it's like, you're going to be seen as everything that you say or do is going to be viewed through a certain lens. And yes. it's a lot of pressure. Oh. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So when I used to work at my job in Buffalo, like, you know, I mm. was oh God. the only that one. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only That job was shit. Just 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 for the audience, that job was really shit. Oh god. Was, one day yeah. I'll tell you guys about my my career and stuff. It's it, it's a story, anyways. Yeah. Um but I was the only black person, like full-time black person, like working there that was not the secretary. There was only one other black woman and she was a secretary, right? But meanwhile, I'm like doing really? my thing. Oh, I didn't yeah. know that. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like a part-time secretary. And then there's me like, you know, doing my GIS stuff. But even then when I worked there, it's like, I felt like I had to 
constantly be so on guard and that was that was a large part of like my unhappiness because the thing is it was my first big girl job and I didn't know how to na I didn't have a mentor I didn't really know how to navigate these corporate spaces and I was at odds with trying to dilute myself and trying to make myself like more palatable but also at odds with wanting to just be myself because honestly part, yes. of, me, part of me understood that no matter what I'm black like the way I'm shaped the way where I was wearing my hair the way, the way I appear is I'm a very stereotypically looking black woman and I'm very cognizant of that. And I think that was at odds with me trying to be more palatable. And I realized like towards the end of this, this shit's not gonna work. So it's just like, I'm just gonna like, <laughs> I'm just gonna write this out and then move on and quit. Cause I can't do this, you know? Um, but, but after a year after I had got, I was like temping for like a job like in like the city. And I remember like, as I was exiting that job, you know, I had concerns about navigating my new workplace because I was like, oh no, like it's like real estate. And I heard that they eat you alive. And I'm just like, I'm, I'm scared. And, you know, and this, this black, this black girl I, I spoke to at the job was, was said that, you know, well, you know, you're, you're like a different like type of black person. So I think you'll be able to navigate it. Like, you know, like you probably, you shouldn't have too many problems. Cause it's like, you're very friendly. You're very nice. You know, I really don't think she meant any harm by it. I think it, it, was, it was supposed to be encouraging. Like you're like different. So like, don't think about it too much. Just be yourself and like go in there. And so it made me think like, is the, is my default personality, how I carry myself supposed to be more palatable to white people and these spaces. And this is honestly something that I think about a lot, actually, um, as I navigate my career, you know, because I feel like the more I just project my personality, the more it kind of, it's kind of been working in my favor. And I think like, is this because like my personality is like not stereotypical or is this because I have just an amazing ass personality? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I think it could be both. You are a very oh. like engaging, friendly person. <clears throat> and you have like a good, fun energy, I'd say. It's been a long time since we've been in the same room, but I would yeah, definitely I but even over even over the internet, like that came across, you know, when we were just Tumblr friends, you know. So I oh, wouldn't... For, for context, everyone, um, DZAN is in California and I'm in New York. And so our friendship oh, yeah. <laughs> is like largely long distance, but we, we love each other all the same. Okay. I just want to give yes. some context. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, that's true. Yeah. So yeah, like I think it could be both. I don't know something about, you know, I, I think the compliment she gave was genuine, but I don't know. Cause so a few things came up when you were talking about that especially the friendly part. Like I get what she was saying and I feel like it was genuine, but despite, you know, the way I am like with you, like when I, when I'm in this situation, I don't know many people, I'm kind of guarded and I've had to kind of learn how to not do that depending on where I am because people, <clears throat> people will take that as like disinterest, apathy, hostility, you know, and all of this. And even though I'm just in my mind, I'm just like, I'm so scared out of my mind. I don't even know if I'm going to like want to be here or my, I don't know if these people are going to like me, you know, all this other stuff. But I have to watch how I come across depending on the situation mm -hmm. because, it, and it almost feels like, you know what it feels like? It almost feels like a constant job interview <laughs> somewhat. Like I have to keep up this level of energy that is not like, not not natural to me necessarily but like not for that situation like i want to have i want to mm. have the freedom to be able to ebb and flow basically yes. with my energy and presentation yes. and sometimes you are not afforded that 
as a black woman because you have to constantly come across as somewhat accessible and compliant i feel mm-hmm. and going back to that job i was talking about earlier because of you know my natural like kind of guardedness and i'm, I'm almost i'm actually kind of shy <laughs> i would say part of it is natural part of it is some past experiences but you know i i take a minute to warm up to situations depending right. on how it is and so like some people would comment on like i don't know one of my coworkers, um <clears throat> who was the only coworker that was close to my age um but she was um like japanese something she was mixed like japanese type she was mixed with a lot of stuff but yeah the she, point is she wasn't black but she did try to advise me hey you might want to try to you know eat lunch with your coworkers more often and this and that and it was like it's not that i don't like people and it's not that i don't want to build relationships with them but it's just that either i want to go get lunch somewhere else or i want to not be in this building for 10 seconds i want to see the sun <laughs> you know i i don't know and that was another thing with that job in particular too for me as a person it's like i just think that kind of culture wasn't suited to me for a lot of reasons individually maybe i don't know somewhat being due to a black woman but really i just feel like it was more like my individual preferences but that pressure to it's almost like wearing a mask like oh, yeah. it's yeah it's definitely it's like and it gets exhausting like you can't you can't do it for very long without like suffering some kind of consequence and that's basically how I feel it is to be a black woman in a space that is otherwise not welcoming to you, where you feel like you have to change an integral part of who you are or something that you can't help. Like you, since you, since you can't change how you look, you have to change how you act. Mm-hmm. God, even talking about that kind of pissed me off. <laughs> no, it just, it's just triggering my memories of freaking Buffalo because that's how I felt having to yeah. wear a mask every day and i think that's what contributes to like my mental health issues my depression at mm-hmm. the time because i just felt like every day 40 hours a week i was stressed and i was dealing with like the stress of putting on wearing my mask you know trying to like i don't know just not bring my whole self to work and it's just it's oh my so God. exhausting it's yes. so exhausting and that's why from now on it's like i'm just like gonna bring my you know i, I resolve that i'm just gonna bring my whole self to work and whatever that looks like Y'all are just going to have to take it. And luckily I'm in spaces, I have the privilege of being in like spaces at work where it's like, I can like do that and not feel like there's too many consequences. So yeah, like there's three types of people presented in the work, in the, in the book, excuse me, working while black, the survivor who was just trying to keep their head down and get through the day and just do what they can, which I've been there like fast food jobs definitely were like that for me, a striver, which is someone who is actively trying to like get to the top and like climb through the ranks, which may or may not involve certain levels of um, assimilation and whatnot. And then there's the thriver who I relate most to this type of person who is just kind of just there to have a good time. (laughs) Well, okay, that's not that's not really but it's more like they're, they are going to be who they are. You know, they're going to be if we're if we're talking about like stereotypically black women, they're going to be the loud, sassy, stereotypically expressive, you know, black person or whatever. And they don't care about that. You know, it's like they can't be much or they choose to they either they choose to be who they are. And my boyfriend said something to me recently when I was talking about I think I was talking about maybe even social situations or I think I was talking about work specifically when I was just like, I find it hard to assimilate into one mold of a person that I'm supposed to be. And he said, yeah, you are very much yourself. And I was like, that's it. Like, I can't really like I just have it's very hard for me to tamp myself down because I'm drawn to be more expressive and more emotional, like as a person. 
whether that's due to being neurodivergent ADHD or because I just am, I don't know. So that like that, and I feel like I would fall more into that thriver category. You kind of, you do, you kind of sound a little bit like that as well, but you know, I'm gonna let you speak for yourself. I would say, you know, when I first started, I tried to be, what was the first one? Like just kind of heads down, like just doing your work. Survivor, you know, yeah. Survivor, yeah. Just get in the door, just pay me. (laughs) I was a survivor for like the first, I don't know, two and a half years of my career. I'm saying this like as if my career is so long. I've I've been working like five for five years, but the the last two and a half That's a long time. (laughs) That is a long time, right? So within the, mm-hmm. but within the last two and a half years, you know, I've definitely been more of a, a thriver, right? I've been more of like a thriver mm-hmm. now where it's I've like, seen that more, especially when you got more into positions where you can kind of control your own life, basically. And it's like, you don't have to worry about pleasing somebody in that way. And it's been very nice to see. On the oh, outside. thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, maybe it was an experience thing, but like, I think these days I've definitely, honestly, I feel like it's played out in my favor to be, to be more of a thriver. I think because I've realized part of my success career-wise has just been like projecting my personality. And luckily, it seems like my my projecting my personality, at least with like the workspaces that I've I've been in, like works in my favor. And you know, I guess maybe it's because like I'm, I'm a little more extroverted and I can I know how like to talk to people. I guess. See, that's what I was gonna say. Yeah. Yeah. Extroversion is very valued in American culture in particular. Yes, yes. So, you know, I think that, you know, has worked in my favor because I think mm-hmm. I am, I don't know. I, I, I just think I've, I've realized, I've played into it like as like a strength, whereas before I think I didn't realize that that was something that I could leverage or was like a good personality trait. I thought I just had to like be heads down, be very quiet. But then I realized I'm going to be my total self and I realize it works. So now I'm just leaning into it a lot these days. (laughs) You know, I was going to say that also maybe part of it was just you, let's see, like what you're like 28. So yeah, Mm -hmm. like the the difference between 23 and 28, as far as like how you know yourself as a person and the confidence level that you have in being yourself is monumental. Yes. And I think that's kind of true for myself too. I'm starting to kind of shift more into that on my end where I'm just like, you know what? It's not going to suit me to be the good corporate drone because I, <laughs> the thought is just laughable. I, but it doesn't work for me. And, you know, and like most people are more comfortable being something that is close to their own self as opposed to constantly, because that takes, it takes a lot of energy to be something that you're not. Yeah. So it makes sense to me that it's like, you know, you leaned into that and, you know, you would, for one thing, I stopped taking job rejections as very personal when I realized it was just like, okay, part of it is like, you know, experience, but also part of it is, well, does this, does this way of being work for you? Does this culture work for you? Like in my most recent interview for this job that I started Monday, I like was talking to the, I think he's the head editor. And we just kind of just like got on as far as like where we were coming from and how we created content. And he really liked that. And he said he was going to make me an offer like in that interview and the offer came like a day or a day or two later. So it was just like, okay, just kind of, kind of hang in there. And you know, it's like, it's, it's not the sixties anymore, thankfully, yeah. as far as like, <laughs> like things are objectively better for black people. Like we're not even yes. gonna lie. There's still a lot of progress to be made, but it's like, this is still a time where it's like, it's never been, it's never been better to be black. We've never been, no. we've never been freer, I guess. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Plus, I mean, I would also, agree. Mm, yeah. I mean, like, like I said, there's still a lot of work to do, and there's still a lot of things like we critique. Like we're not, we're in, we are not fully free by any means, but we are freer. Emphasis on the er. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Free to um, be you and me. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I feel like you know we kind of segued, or was that, is that the right word? We kind of got, well, we got a, yeah okay we got a, we got a little bit of a, a way from like the a topic that I want to get into actually um but that was really great talking about work but I want to get Mm -hmm. into um attraction really quick and we already we talked about ourselves and what we like in guys and like how Mm -hmm. that and and, yeah and how like our interests and who we are play into that but I want to ask you like do you feel like other people have made assumptions about the type of men that you're into just because of who you are and like what you like you said something like people assume that you would be into Asian men because you like K-pop, right? Yes. So <laughs> I had a friend. I think I've gotten a little that. bit of that on my end for having interest in Japanese culture. And I'm just like, Oh, I can imagine. Asian men, they, you know, they're, they're attractive, but it's like, I'm not exclusively drawn yeah. to. Some of these people will be out here like, oh, where's my Asian king? I'm like, bitch, chill. You're Look, being relax. really weird right now. Yo, relax. yo, yo. <laughs> There is a community, yeah. honestly, this might have to be a whole other thing because I, I have a lot of feelings about it, but there's this thing called AMBW. I don't know if you heard of it, but A-M-B-W? it's- AMBW? Asian men, black women. It's like a community oh. of people that kind of talk about their relationships being in this Asian male, black women thing. And I remember mm-hmm. stumbling across the community on like Facebook like a while ago. And it's just like a thing. It just rubs me the wrong way. And it's really, really weird. I don't, I don't, I don't really get it, but I, well, I, I was going to say, you know, I don't know if you've heard this or not, but Asian men and black women tend to be, get like the least responses out of any of the groups respectively, as far bad. as out of men and women. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's kind of like a solidarity thing, at least in part, but I've, you know, you know, people like there are Asian men who fetishize black women and black women who fetishize Asian men. That's what I want to get so. into because, you know, the thing is people have assumed that I, you know, I'm into Asian men because I like K-pop when that couldn't be further from the truth. Well, not to, not to say I'm not attracted to Asian men, but the thing is I've only ever dated so far two like Asian men in my mm. whole life. And that's just because it's just kind of like, that's just what happened. And the thing is that with one of them, one of them just had a straight up black girl fetish. And then oh, I remember that guy, you told me about him. Ew. It, yeah. yeah. Like literally his whole Instagram was like him surrounded by a bunch of black women. Like it would be him in the middle and like multiple black women on like around his arms it was so freaking weird I'm like oh it was so freaking weird and New York so is full of interesting people <laughs> i'm saying and he also tried to talk to my friend too another black woman oh, no. yeah and, and it's just <laughs> and the way he would talk <laughs> to you the thing is i just knew because like how's your whole page just black women and then he was trying to talk to me as I don't know, using some real awkward accent. That was just like, oh yeah, I remember you Where are you that? from? It was so cringy. <laughs> that was so cringy. But um, yeah, no. So that did not last after like the first day. Cause I was just like, no, this isn't it. The other Asian guy I dated, like he was very respectful. I could tell that he just it is like race wasn't really a huge factor for him. And he just was mm-hmm. regular. It was just very regular, nice experience. But at any rate, so I get assumptions that I like Asian men. I don't know. I also get assumptions that I am like flexible with like the race of men that I I date as well. I've gotten like those assumptions as well. When I was younger, I would get assumptions that I exclusively like liked white men. 
that's because like I had like the Ferris Bueller's Day Off poster like in my dorm room, and so I think people were like, "This girl only likes white guys," and that okay, also sure. couldn't have been further from the truth, because <laughs> like you know historically the majority of men I've dated have all been black men, <laughs> right? So, <laughs> which I think is normal in the sense of like I think you tend to date who you were around. I don't know because I know I had mm-hmm. a friend who you know was she's black, but she like. She said most of her crushes growing up were like, you know, white men. And it's because she grew up in a predominantly white area. So the men were just white and she's attracted to men. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when I was younger. And like, yeah, uh like I was going to say, like, you know, growing up, I was mostly surrounded by at least early on. It was like all the boys around me were like black. But, you know, I've had crushes on like, I don't know, like at least a few white guys some latino men here and there like i said my current boyfriend is current boyfriend is latino and there's definitely like no sort because i'm in california like there's a lot of asian men out here and i've had a crush on more than a few of them so it's like you know it's whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i mean growing up i grew up in a very predominantly white area and i didn't think much of it you know and my crushes the majority of crushes that i've had in my life were when i was in elementary and middle school and they were just on like the white guys that were around so it's just like you know what I mean? Like, that was really it. I didn't think much of it. And then I got to college and I was like, oh my gosh, there are other people here. There are like, I, I can like and be with. So, you know, right. it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a very deep thing for me um, at that time, but it seemed like other people had all these assumptions about like what I did and didn't like. And that kind of, that kind of sucked. Cause it's like, I feel like you, sh- you shouldn't like, just because I like X, Y, and Z things does not mean, it doesn't really dictate my attraction to specific races of men, you know? I feel like even when I was younger, I understood the idea that like any race of men can have the same types of interest as me, can be as, or can be as nuanced or more nuanced than me. And there you go. I don't know, I feel like it didn't give me enough credit (laughs) for for being like nuanced in terms of how I think about romance and attraction and men. So I always felt like that kind of sucked. Mm, that does oh, yeah. suck because it's like like again it's like you said it's like you know you, I guess you sound like you realized from a young age that it was like you know to put it bluntly people are people and it's like it's like we're gonna have like the same interests or whatever and or you know overlap of interests or goals or values you know whatever and that can exist whether you have whether you have the same cultural background or a different cultural background and you can have a different cultural background and still be the same race like you're Ghanaian first of all oh yeah like, so you could like have like I don't know let's say some like Nigerian guy comes along you know while you're out in Ghana or something like that and you guys have you know a night you click you know whatever like you're Ghanaian American you're still gonna have like kind of cultural differences and different viewpoints because you spent most of your life growing up in America and this hypothetical Nigerian man there was time. there was a real Nigerian guy just so you know oh and I was attracted oh, yeah? to yes like I, I thought I told you the story when I was in Ghana maybe that's why I'm giving this example I but so. I don't remember I don't recall please refresh me yes so there's like this Nigerian guy <laughs> that I met like when I was going out to eat with my sister and I think just, we were just making eyes at each other and he just he was just so cute like I was just like oh my gosh he's so cute and I remember him kind of coming over and sitting down chatting to me and his vibe was like I was like mush like, like, like when I tell you I have a weakness for like a certain vibe <laughs> my sister was, was sitting there watching me like oh my god what's happening to my sister because I was like putty in his hands because he had this energy that was very like different from a lot of the other 
African guys that I, I felt like I was like encountering like when I was in Ghana. It was very kind of like weird, kind of like quirky. I'm just like, kind of like, just like, ah, like I'm here. I don't know how to explain it. He's very goofy. <laughs> I'm getting giddy just talking about it. Even watching you right now isn't is adorable. Like, oh my god! I know. I, I, I get it. Yeah. Okay. I have All a right. weakness for like a specific type of vibe, and he just kind of captured that. I think mm. I would kind of describe it as maybe what's his name, Donald Glover, back in the day. You know, like or maybe something like kind of like on the Community or something. Something kind okay. of like that. Something was, like that. Yeah, but that was his vibe, and I was just instantly drawn to that. I was just like, oh my gosh, mm. you know. First off, he was claiming he was Ghanaian. And we were just like, why are you lying? You're, you're Nigerian. He didn't look Ghanaian to us. So we we're just like, mm. interesting. That yeah. And there was like a thing that. going on. Huh? Hmm. What? Like just from looking, like interesting that you knew He that. just looked different. It's something about his features. We were like, he's either Caribbean or he's like Nigerian. Cause it just didn't seem, Nigerians look a little different than Ghanaians do. Like once you're in Ghana and you're around all these Ghanaian people, like I feel like you can kind of feel it. You can kind of sense it. And when we finally hmm. came out and said that he was like Nigerian, we were like, we knew it. <laughs> it didn't make sense. But why did I bring this up? Anyway, sorry, because you mentioned a Nigerian guy. For this <laughs> hypothetical, yeah. <laughs> That's, I don't think you've told me that story, though, but that, that was interesting. Yeah. Um, My sister had to pull me away from him and be like, no, like, you're not, you're not doing this right now. We're going somewhere else. Like, not today, fam. Not today. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's funny. As far as me and um the the latino guy that i'm dating right now he's you know he's mexican and one of the reasons like i was comfortable dating him is because i wanted to even before we started dating i kind of like tested where he was at as far as racially not just with black people but was he able to talk about like his own culture and this and that mm. and the other thing and he is which is not to say he's perfect and not to say that you know he's impeccable and has never said anything that was been questionable and yeah i've had to check him here and there and i've told him you know you can check me if i say something that's like out of pocket <laughs> but it's just as other than that it's it's about yeah it looks like it's about the overlap of interests and you know i'm drawn to like his personality and like his intelligence and he's goofy like me we're different, but, you know, we have enough overlap that it was like, okay, you know, let's give this a shot. But I bring all of this up to say that race, when I think about our relationship as a whole, it's kind of like one of the last lower things on the list. Mm -hmm. I'm more like, I'm just like, okay, like, is this viable? Like, can we connect with each other? Can we speak each other's language? Can we communicate? Right. Can we be bridge the gaps? Are we going the same way? You know, stuff, normal human things. I don't know. You know, oh. it's like, it doesn't become a problem unless it's a problem. Right. But, you know, it's also about like, you know, choosing people who are not like out to fetishize you. But even black men can be weird towards black yes. women that way. So it's just... <laughs> Yeah, no, and I think this is like a perfect point to end on because that mm. that's a whole up conversation that I really actually want to get into. Mm. <laughs> I really want to like talk. I have a lot to say about that in terms of like how I feel about race and relationships and how I feel like it impacts us. I feel like I feel like I think of it a little bit differently. Yeah, I feel like I think of it a little differently, and I think we're gonna like, we end it here, and then we'll kind of expand on this topic a little bit more in another episode. So. But I think this was like a good point to end on. So thank yeah. you so much. And thank you so much for all the listeners out there. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. If you want to follow Kid of Pig Podcast, it's available on Google, SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple. And it'll soon be on YouTube as well. So please follow and subscribe on all of those platforms where you get your podcasts. And I will talk to you guys soon. Be on the lookout for a part two to this as well. Because I think it's going to be a really interesting conversation. Can I do a plug as well? Yes. And oh, how can I forget? Dizan, <laughs> would you like to plug yourself? 
Yeah, I um, <clears throat> yeah, I don't really have. I'm not really super active on social media necessarily, but I do have a Twitch channel where I play games. Right now, I'm playing Hades, and I've been obsessed with that for like two weeks straight. Um, on Twitch.tv/dzandoesthings. That's D-Z-A-N does things, one word, and that's where you can catch most of the time. I also have an Instagram by the same name, dzandoesthings, and uh, you can just follow me there and. Yeah, just check it out. Sweet. And like, oh yeah, and my Instagram is uh, a kid of a pig. So a kid of a pig mm-hmm. on Instagram and YouTube and a kid and just search for a kid of a pig podcast everywhere, wherever you get your uh, podcast. Um, yes. All right. Spotify. So, yes. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thank you so much. Uh, bye bye.